afternoon, good evening, whenever you're listening to us, and how you're listening to us. Thank you for making the sports and the world podcast a part of your day. I'm the Darius. And I'm Chris. And I hope all of you are well and safe out there. Busy week of sports, busy life for, for most people as well. And uh, how are you, my man? I'm hanging, man. Just uh, looking over the loom of of football and fantasy football and baseball and, you know, all the things that didn't go my way this weekend. Yeah, yeah. You know, we'll, we'll talk about fantasy later. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I know. I know you're going to tip in. I'll, I'll say it now. Congratulations. Oh, well. You are oh, thank officially you. you are officially one and three against me. Congratulations. Credit is given where credit is due. Uh, Come around again and you'll get it too. Uh, so I'll let you I'll let you bask in the glory. I can't even talk shit. So you you got me. I my my team outright shit the bed. So I uh I, I stand humbled. Listen, you know, listen, what if, listen, it's a big deal. It's like it's like trying to beat Alabama, basically. Like, like you just like I don't care what year Alabama's playing in. If you can, Chris is at Alabama, and you can, you know, you can just pick any school you want to in the SEC, not named Tennessee. But, and that's pretty much how I felt. Like, I felt like the uh, I guess you're if you're the uh, yeah you're you're the master and the student, however you want to juxtapose the situation. But, but listen, but for the record, you did better than me in the picks. We'll get to that in the NFL segment of the show. But, but like, but what I will say is that I wasn't far off, and and I'll explain what we, especially one game in particular where I could have actually won it if a kicker did literally the one job they were paid to do. But, <laughs> but, but, but speaking of kicking, let's kick it off and talk about college football. Lot, lot of, lot of storylines. So, so Chris, what was your takeaway or takeaways from uh, college football? So, first and foremost, I want everyone. So, I went on this rant about UCF last week, and they got shut down. And I asked y'all to shut up. Miami, it's your turn. Take your turnover change, your backpack your Doherty Explorer gear, whatever other dumb shit you got, shut it down, stop talking. You can beat up, and, and, and this is the same exact conversation that I've had about Ohio State. You can beat up on low-level scrub teams, and then you play a good team, and shell-shocked isn't the answer. Clemson came in and wiped the floor with Miami in an embarrassing fashion. And it just proves how, how weak Miami really is. And all this shit, oh, the U is back. Like, I was watching College Game Day last week, and A-Rod was on there. And we all know how I feel about A-Rod. Even though he was a Yankee, you already know he wasn't one of my favorites. Um, so, with that being said, he gets on College Game Day, and oh, the U is back, the U is back, and everyone, uh, Kirk Herbstreet and everyone else is like, Oh, Miami's going to be the national champs. Oh, my God. Clemson just – Clemson disassembled him is what happened. It was a surgical procedure where a doctor just – just it was like Dexter. Just slice and dice somebody into pieces in the most gruesome television-rated fashion. And I enjoyed every moment of that game. So, for that, I thank you. 
Uh, I'm not going to sit here and harp on him anymore, but the proof's in the pudding. Um, the the Bama Ole Miss game. Ole Miss is that team next year is going to be a very big thorn in the ass of everybody in the SEC. Lane Kiffin almost did the impossible and almost beat the master. He stayed with him up until about the end of the third quarter. And then Nick Satan did his, his magic and just, you know, it's like, um, like you remember the scene of the fast and the furious Ladarius, the original OG one where hit, where Paul Walker and Vin Diesel, Ja Rule and the Asian dude that is the first street race when Paul Walker had the green eclipse when he blew the bottom out of it. And so he lines up and it's just him and Vin left. Ja Rule and his garbage ass car and the little Jap guy, they, they're, they, they were nothing. It was the eclipse and it was the RX-7. So they're booming and he hits the Nas and just shoots away from Vin. And and, and the, the, the seasoned racing master... Let's him get ahead a little bit, and then when he runs out of juice, punches his nose and shh, throws across the line. Now I'm not going to give the insult to Lane Kiffin. He's like, bro, I almost had you. I won't go that far on Lane Kiffin, but Ole Miss is a program that is it's up and coming, and they they will be a danger in the future. I promise that. Another game that caught my eye, and I don't know if you watched this one. Did you watch the Auburn and Arkansas game? I did. That was a very – I'm not going to say Arkansas got the screw job in that game, but, yeah, I, I'll just put it this way, Chris. Auburn should have lost that football game. They they, they should have, 100% should have. They Gus Malzone got lucky on that one. Now, I was very critical of a certain player in that game last year and the year before, but I will give props to Felipe Franks – had the second coming of Jesus, went 22 for 30, 318 yards and four touchdowns with zero interceptions, which was a huge problem when he played at Florida. I don't know what happened. I I feel like he's playing with a lesser caliber overall team, offensive line, wideouts, running backs, etc. But he's not turning the ball over. So I'm happy to see that he matured as a player. It's a tough loss, but... I would like like when you lose games like that, you're upset, but you're not upset at yourself. You're upset at the referees and and the officiating crew. And I normally don't throw a lot of shade on refs. I will in another game when we get to it, but not so much on this one. But still, it was there was some poor judgment calls. But shout out to Felipe Franks for giving Arkansas some some hope. Um, once again, Texas just does what Texas does and just shits the bed. Um, they're another team I'm getting real tired of hearing about. Um, they they talk and they talk and they talk, and nothing ever comes out of it. Um, Oklahoma just, you know, they got them at the end of the game, and, and it, it showed who ran out of gas first. Um, another one, so swinging down to the ACC, is Florida State and Notre Dame. You know, as much as it pains me to say this, I was actually rooting for Florida State in this game. I just, I don't like Notre Dame. Notre Dame's another one of those teams, like a Miami and an Ohio State. They they go in the season overly ranked, overly rated, and once you start stacking them against competition, it just, it, it, it goes from there. Um, Florida State still has a lot, a lot of things that they need worked out. 
they showed some potentiality. Jordan Travis went 13 for 24, 204 yards, and a touchdown. Um, no turnovers. Turnovers are, are, are a bad thing, and FSU is finally learning that. Um, so that drops FSU to 1-3 and three with an 0-3 uh, ACC record. And then on the flip side, Notre Dame now ranked number 5, goes to 3-0, and 2-0 in the ACC. Um, I think their schedule is going to be detrimental to them. Um, they've got Clemson on November 7th. And, of course, this is all as long as things can stay healthy and happy. Um, you know, Notre Dame's got, you know, the next three games are cakewalks. Louisville, Pittsburgh, and, and Georgia Tech. You know, I, 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 I don't know how, but okay, we'll, we'll, we'll go with that. Um, so I hope Florida State can make some changes. I would like to see them be a little bit more competitive if we get a chance to put a thrashing on them. But also, uh, I'd like to see Notre Dame finally choke and lose. Uh, there was a nice shootout in the Tar Heel State with uh, UNC and, and VT. Uh, same thing. Uh, that, that, that game was a, a pretty entertaining one to watch. Uh, Sam Howell from UNC went 18 for 23, 257 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, Michael Carter, the, you know, the running back, 17 carries, 214 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, those are some Madden stats right there. Uh, so you know, shout out to to UNC. They're 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 making some uh, some things and dents there in the ACC and could potentially mess a little things up. If you remember, UNC uh, beat a certain team that that ruined a few things for uh, for the ACC. If you catch my drift. Um, oh yeah. Uh, the Tennessee Georgia game. Tennessee came out strong. Came out very very strong, but they Brock Lesnar themselves and and they got to understand that this is more than a three round fight. And Tennessee gassed themselves at halftime. You know, they, they went into the half actually leading and then didn't bother going to the end zone the rest of the game. And Georgia just just rolled right on them, uh, you know, 44 to 21. Um, you know, and then to wrap it up, uh, the Florida-Texas A&M game. Um, there, is a, there, there is a definite issue on on defense um i i think we could all all agree with that uh i i, I don't know what <laughs> I, I i don't know you know <laughs> i just i i honestly don't even know what to say to it uh todd grantham just he he's got to figure something out there's no way that there can be that much uh disintegration from Last year to this year, I mean, last year we had arguably one of the best defenses going in, you know, uh, uh, going into the season this year. I mean, we were we were top ten on turnovers, on on third down and fourth down stops. We would make these incredible stops on on first and second down to pin Texas A and M at a third and twelve, third and fifteen. I think even one time like a third and nineteen or third and twenty. And you're like, finally, we're going to stop them. And then they just leave the middle of the field open. And, you know, they, they run these post routes. And that, that post route is the death of us. Um, and, and I think that got heavily exposed, uh, you know, in this game. Um, I mean, there's only so much Kyle Trask can do. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I, I honestly don't know what what else can be can be said about this game um there were some things that i did see that uh 
I, I wasn't exactly a fan of. A&M got, and I know it's like, well, you're just biased because you're a Florida fan and blah, 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 blah. Um, there were a lot of holding calls. I, I watched on four separate occasions the offensive line for, I want to say it was the left guard or the left tackle, had a guy fully turned around by gripping the, the front of his jersey and spinning him on some of those uh, uh, bump-out plays when they're trying to blow out onto the sideline. Last time I checked, if you spin a defensive lineman around and hold their jersey, that's holding. I don't know. It's been a few years since I strapped on some pads, so, I mean, I may be wrong. I never played Division One college, so maybe there's some secret rules that you can get away with that I'm not fully, uh, you know, fully aware of. But, I, you know, Trask went and did everything he could. Our, McPherson, our kicker, went out and did everything he could, but defense could not stop it and when we turned that ball over i knew that was game i i knew it i knew it and that was even a and m had such poor uh clock management that whole game i i just i don't i don't know how it 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 just it it went like that i i i truly don't know and even with all of that and and just just everything, you know, we ended up choking at the last point and I knew, and I think you and I even talked about this. I said, watch, you know, we're, uh, we're going to get screwed on this. If, uh, if our defense doesn't get tightened up and lo and behold, you know, here we are. I mean, Kyle Trask, you know, he threw 23 for 32, 312 yards and four touchdowns. What more could you ask a receiver or excuse me, a quarterback for, I mean, honestly, what more could you ask as a head coach, what could you ask your quarterback to do more than that? Nothing. What more could you ask your your running backs to do uh, on the ground? You've got multiple guys with 20-plus yards carrying. Um, you look at the receiving side. Uh, well, you I know, wish I could get a deal on a smartphone, but I'm not a new customer. I don't know what the hell that was. Um, you know, you, uh, you, you look at the receiving side. And you know you got Kadarius Tony who was averaging thirteen point yard thirteen point one yards per uh, per reception with two touchdowns you know ninety two yards total Malik Davis went three receptions for seventy three yards you know and then but on the other side of the ball you look at the at at A and M and you, you, we're giving up one hundred and fifty one yards to to Caleb Chapman. I mean, how do you how, how how do you do anything with that? You know, our our defense is is falling apart now. I know, like I'm you know I'm part of some of the Gator uh, uh, fan chats and things like that, and, and some of the clubs and whatever. And uh, some people are automatically calling for uh, you know for Todd Grantham's head. I don't necessarily think that we need to chop his head off and put it on a pike in front of uh, UF like it's Lord of the Flies, but Something needs to get figured out. Um, you know, and people are saying, well, Dan Quinn is fired, you know, from the Falcons. Why, why don't we bring him in the UF? And I was, you know, in the, in the words of Lee Corso, whoa, whoa, slow your roll. I don't know about all that, man. But um, other than that, it was an interesting week in, uh, in, in, in college all the way around. We got some great games coming up this weekend. Um, maybe some teams to get some retribution. We'll see what happens. Um, yeah, and that's what I got for college. 
And <clears throat> one of the things, Chris, that I, I, I'll start, I'll pick up for where you uh, left off with the Florida, you, uh, Florida Texas A&M game. One of the things that I saw, Chris, and, and I think it applies to no matter of what level of football, if you play really, really bad on one side of the ball, but you still win, at some point, if it does not catch up with the side that's doing well, you're going to lose it. You're going to lose the game, and that's what happened to Florida. And and Chris, we were still in the football game before that turnover. We were driving down the field. So, but you know, to tie back to your point, I don't necessarily put this all on Grantham. I really don't. I mean, he's coached a couple of guys that are playing on Sundays, so he's not a terrible. He's you know he's not a terrible coach. You know, ideally, there's things to fix. But at the end of the day, Chris, I think, you know, unfortunately with the cancellation of the LSU-Florida game, I think it's time to really look at that defense. And and as far as, you know, bringing in DQ, I'm not going to say it's the best idea in the world, nor am I going to say it's the worst idea in the world. What I will say, Chris, is, is that the simple reality is, is that something has to be done on that side of the ball. And sticking with the defensive side of the ball, Chris, I want to go back to the the Red River rivalry with Oklahoma and Texas, Chris. Yeah, Chris, I know you I wanted think, to get up on that. <laughs> I think people know how I feel about the Big Ten. You know, I think you know, I, I don't hate the Big Ten. I just feel I do. It's the same it's it's the same two, three teams and and nothing shows up. It's essentially you're, you're, you know, you, oh, someone says has a surprise and it's nothing. And, and I want us to specifically talk about Texas. The thing is, Chris, this is year four for Tom Herman, Chris. This is year four. And people are, you know, I feel people should call for his job. Here's why, Chris. And this is why the, before, before people start jumping in and saying, oh, no, because here's the thing. I want to talk about our old guy, Willie, you know, our old buddy, Willie Taggart from FSU. Now, Chris, how long did Willie Taggart have at Florida State? Not very. <laughs> they, uh, he, he, he came and went uh, like a, like a venereal disease. And so, so I think like two years and two years, but a couple two years plus I'll say, and this is year four for Tom Herman. And then my logic is Chris, if you had to ask me what's the bigger program, it's Texas football. Absolutely. Especially especially over the last, I would say, five years. In terms of prestige. We could argue championships and semantics, but in terms of prestige, it's Texas. And this same program fired a good coach in Charlie Strong, who we, we both are very familiar with, with, you know, from Florida, former great Florida defensive uh, coordinator. Now, Chris, I put it like this, and I'm going to throw out a scenario to, to UT, you know, to Texas fans. I'll throw it out to you and to everybody listening. And and I stand by what I'm going to say here. If this Texas offense was around when Charlie Strong was the coach, Texas would win nine, ten games a year. Because, like Chris, let's be clear, Charlie Strong was fired because the offense did bad. Chris, that was Chris. That defense at Texas was one of the best defenses in the country under Charlie Strong. But the problem is, Chris, if you don't have a guy who can't throw it from one side of the field to another, and more importantly, Chris, throw it to the other team, you're not going to win many games. I mean, that's just you know football one on one 
you know, find the book in your local libraries, but the, all the books will tell you the same thing. So if, if you're a Texas man, you should demand more because you got rid of a guy because, oh, well, the defense, the defense is now terrible, Chris. Like, listen, the Big Ten, the Chris, the same expectations I had for the Big Ten are the same expectations I'll, I had for Robert Pattinson as Batman. About the same expectations. I'm not expecting a whole lot, Chris. It can only get better if that if that analogy makes any sense. It, like it's, you it's know, like I'm. Go ahead. I'm, honestly, I see. I don't know, man. See, this this is I. I never I never got into the whole Twilight Twinkly Vampire shit. Um, but you know what? Everything that I have read about this movie, um, the direct the direction that Matt Reeves wants to go in this movie. And mm-hmm. the, the some of the film that they've released, you know, the 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 trailer they dropped like two months ago. Um, mm-hmm. I just, I don't know. I really like I really like him as 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 a young Batman. But see, I was one of those ones too that when they're like, "Hey, Ben Affleck is you know, we're gonna have a bat flick," and I'm like, "Oh God, this is gonna be terrible." And well, Batman vs Superman was pretty terrible and then the justice league was was an abomination now the Zack snyder cut i'm hoping maybe there's some extra cool things in there that might hate make me hate it a little less but i don't know i mean like i know i'm going on a rant right now but i'm i'm i am in support of a of a a, a battinson you know hopefully they could get this damn movie finished i will definitely go to the theaters and watch this if we're allowed to if you know we're not locked into our homes uh, uh, because of the coronas, having to live in fear for the rest of our lives. But I think that uh, I don't know. I think he's going to be good. But sorry, go ahead. Back to your uh, back to your deal. But and that rent is sponsored by. Was Chris paid by that? We don't know. We're not going to. I don't work in the finance. <laughs> we, we I don't work in the finance department. But 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 those are the expectations I have. And the thing is, Chris. What I don't understand is that, look, you got rid of Charlie Strong. And listen, I understand he had a, you know, the record wasn't great for Texas standards. But here's the reality, Chris. This is this is a message for, you know, for Florida State fans. And I asked this to a legitimate, my cousin is, you know, my cousins are Florida State fans. So I, you know, I asked them, what are your expectations? Like, Chris, you know, it are, you know, most people in life have expectations. Absolutely. So, what are your expect? What do you expect from? I think of you know a fan team relationship. What are your expectations as a Florida State fan? Did you really think you're going to win eight nine games a year? Like, let's be real. As long as Clemson does not become a pro team, you're not going to win eight nine games a year. And secondly, it boils down to recruiting because on Twitter, someone asked me a question and. They said, well, why isn't Florida State great, Chris? You know what answer I gave them? I simply said this, Chris. It's coaching. It's coaching and recruiting. And I use Dan Mullen as a very good recruiter on top of being a very good coach. And I say, even all, even if you get rid of that, you know, Manny Diaz thing you saw, you know, last Saturday, Manny Diaz has can recruit. The coaching part, you know, you can put unknown. But the thing is, Chris, you have to be able to recruit in states like Florida and Texas and California. Because at the end of the day, Chris, that's sustainability. You have to be able to be a great recruiter. When you think of guys like Nick Saban, 
great coach, Chris, but he's a heck of a recruiter. He gets top five, even top three classes pretty much every year since yeah. he's been there. Yeah. So so you have to find a guy who has a track record of great recruiting. And I'm not saying that, you know, hire, you know, average coaching great recruiting. But, Chris, you have to hire someone who can bring in talent. Because I'll give you an example. When we look at Jim McElwain, or even you look at Jim McElwain. Jim McElwain wasn't a, you know, he wasn't a great coach, but he was a somewhat good of a recruiter. It's the problem is, Chris, is that he just couldn't coach what he recruited. That yeah, was the problem. He just he just couldn't coach at all. That's he was he was trying to be the friends of the players and not not the coach. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Um, you know, and then you look on the other flip side of the coin, uh, Jim Harborough in Michigan. He he is a guy that he it, he does not recruit well. He does not nurture players well, and he does not develop players well. But he excelled in the NFL. I I personally think that coaches like Harborough are 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 significantly more equipped for the NFL because it's like the difference of in like the military between like a drill sergeant and like a a a, a platoon sergeant when you get into the fleet or to active duty you have like the guys that are better at training and then you guys then you have guys that are better at managing and i think that coach you get some hybrids like like a, a dan mullen and a a a Pete Carroll and a, a, a an Urban Meyer, a Nick Saban that can develop and manage players, but then sometimes you have guys like McElwain who could only develop, that could coach or that could recruit, that that can't continuously do it. And then you have guys that are just strictly coaching, like Harborough that just don't have the mentality or the 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 aptitude to develop players because it, it's just who they are as a person. I'm one of those ones that I'm I'm guilty as charged even in my own company. I am not good with new employees. I I expect that when you come into my division and my department and you know answer to me or you answer to my my junior management that when you're coming to me, you better know what you're doing at that point. I I, I feel like I don't have the time to, to develop. And that's where, in translating and rolling it back into football, I think if I was to be like a coach, I would be more of an NFL coach because I want you out of college. You know how to perform. You know how to come to practice. You know how to be there on time and all the basics and the etiquette and understand the fundamentals and the rules and regs of the game, I don't have time to coddle and babysit you and, and want you to be on my team. If you want to be here, great. If not, go find another, go find somebody else because I ain't got time for it. But, again, that's just me. And, and you know what, Chris? Good points. But, you know, like, like I say, to me, that's how you turn around a program. To me, Chris, it all depends on the situation. Like when you look at a program like at USC, big major football programs, the program sells itself. So, Chris, you don't have to be the greatest recruiter in the world because prestige kind of sells. It's it's kind of like when you think of McDonald's and Burger King, Chris, it kind of sells itself. When you know, in that, you know, in that sort of perspective. Yeah. Like, you know, you still got you still gotta promote, you still gotta go out there and get people, but you don't have to do it as a at a rate such as a you know, like a mid-level program, you have to be a you know a great recruit on the trail. 
But to, to finish the point on, you know, on that, Chris, is that you you have to be able to go out there and recruit. And listen, I saw the FSU game. I like Travis. I really do. But, Chris, we have to see what Mike Norvell can do and, and his staff. You know, listen, first, you know, I'm, I'm tired of people want to fire people. Listen, give people time. Because what if we were fired on our first year of the job? Yeah. I tell, I tell people, you have growing pains. Look at a rookie quarterback. Like Peyton Manning didn't start off going 12-4. and four. In fact, he led the league in interceptions his first year in the league. So, and then all of a sudden now he's a Hall of Famer. There's a reason for that. It's called development. It's called growth. And that's with people. And, and, and I, I feel with Tom Herman, I think if year four, Chris, he had four years. I think, I'm not saying, hey, I'm not saying like how the Grantham thing and put his head on the pike. And, you know, and, you know, and call for a tribal. No, I think it comes to the question that if we if we call Mike Norvell out for being fired, why not Tom Herman? Because Tom Herman came and beat Oklahoma, who lost to Kansas State. That's the point. Like this same that same Oklahoma team, Chris, you saw lost to Kansas State. I don't care. Oh, well, Kansas State is better. Stop it. You know, I, that that's my point. I said on, on that note. And speaking of not beating people, listen, Tennessee. I saw that game. Tennessee played great. Jared got a ton. You know, Chris, they played great. But, you know, there's this, this pesky thing called the fourth quarter that happens. And I don't know if they were halfway on the bus back to Rocky Top or, you know, they were, you know, you know, you know, getting, you know, getting ready to watch the 10, you know, tight, you know, whatever they were doing. It's a four-quarter game. They, they gave up at halftime. They 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 took their foot off the gas and and coasted to the to the finish line. Yeah. They, they they weren't full throttle the whole time. Yeah, and and you could tell. And this is the thing. And I uh, and I'm using the uh, Tennessee athletic director Philip Fulmer, you know, former great Tennessee coach. And he said he judges his coaches by beating rivals. Chris, he judged think beating Alabama. Florida, and Georgia. Chris, do you know what Jeremy Pruitt's record is against those three teams combined? I'm going to say probably not well. I'm going to guess there's more L's and W's. Yeah. 0-7. Oh, and 0-7. Oh, well, you know, that's that's where we are. Yeah, and like, he can beat Vandy. That's great. He can beat, listen, he can beat South Carolina. That's great. But, Chris, if you can't beat the teams that ma- – I'm not saying you can't beat your rivals, Chris. It was just like Jimbo Fisher this this weekend. He he needed this win against us that we unfortunately gave to him yeah. um, to to make a statement to keep his job at A&M. Because, you know, he, he did great when he was at Florida State when he had all sorts of talent. The talent disappeared. He disappeared. He, he definitely pulled an Urban Meyer. But, you know, it's like we talked about, I think, you know – we we hit heavy on it last year during college season, and I think even when we started back up this season of the podcast, we talked about you got to pay coaches if you want good coaches. You know, you got to pay. Absolutely. And yeah, uh, you know, since Texas A and M opened up their wallet, but the problem was uh, he was what zero and five against top five teams. Yeah, he wasn't you great. Know? You know, and so he finally got a dub, you know, for, for a top five ranked team. It sucks that it was us, but it definitely saved his job, I think, for the foreseeable future. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, it, it did. 
And I didn't mean to cut you off, but the, the thing is, Chris, and I think I said it last week on the podcast that this was a must-win game for Jimbo. He had to win that game because when you're paying someone that much, you know, that amount of money, and Texas A&M wants a return on their investment, Chris, that's with anything. And, like, any, if, if you invest in something, Chris, you want an ROI, you know, ROI at some point. Absolutely. You want a return on investment. That's, that's business 101. So, you know, I support, you know, that no problem with me. And to kind of wrap up the point on college, I did want to talk about, you know, the ACC as a whole. Because, listen, I'm not going to knock UNC. I like Mike, I, I like Mac Brown a great deal. Let's be clear with that. But my problem with UNC, if you want me to take them seriously, is, is that, listen, I'm not saying Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech didn't have a lot of players to suit up. Because of, you know, COVID. Chris, that game had no business being the way it was. Like, you know, be, you know, teams like UNC, I'm not saying you blow the doors off Virginia Tech, Chris, but... You don't let us put 40 points on you either. You, you don't. And I'm like, this is the same argument, and I'll use your argument, that you talked about with Ohio State. This is where anybody can beat Indiana. Anybody can beat Maryland. But can you beat the creme de la creme when it counts? Yep. Because the reality, the reality is, Chris, is that I could work in a company and get this account, this account, this account. But Chris, if I don't get the big fish, then then everything that everything else is kind of fruitless. They'll say he's the guy that can get, he can get, oh, he can get the, the little stuff, but he's not ready for the prime time. That's essentially how I feel about UNC, and I like Sam Howell. You know, at some point, you know, being a quarterback nerd, I'll scout him for the draft. But the reality is, Chris, is that, and it goes to a lot of college teams, is that expectations. Yep. It's like all, all I ask for is demand. If you're a fan base of any team in college, I want to know what your expectations are for your team. Because the biggest gap I've ever seen is that, well, FSU fired Willie Taggart to two years. After, you know, Jimbo took his bag of money and went to College Station. And, you know, I'm not saying it's all Willie's fault. But FSU fired him two plus years. Tom Herman is stuck around. And what do you have to show for? A win in the Alamo Bowl. Is that is that is that the expectations for testing? I mean, Jesus. Like, all I'm saying is, is that Oklahoma's great. Yeah, sure. You mean that same team that lost to uh, Kansas State? That team? Great. Because I said it once and I'll say it again. I don't trust any team in the Big 12. And now you saw Saturday why I don't. So, speaking of things that I don't trust, and we'll go to the NFL. Chris, there are a lot of records in the NFL where I just don't trust it. Especially, you know, one or two that I especially don't trust. Some... I get, but I think this, you know, the NFL, you know, I think, Chris, we learned a lot about a couple of teams in terms of direction and, and how they're moving forward. But with that being said, Chris, uh, give us your thoughts on the NFL and your thoughts on it. Man, uh, you know, and then there were four. <laughs> that's, 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 I guess, the way I'm going to start out this one, uh, you know, and then there were four. Um, you have a lot of teams that uh, you expected to 
to do good or to, you know, to do bad or, you know, indifferent in between. And, you know, then you look at it around the league and you're just like, the hell is going on here? You know, uh, you know, of course, uh, you know, I guess we'll, we'll get the, 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 the disappointment of the jets out of the way. Um, somehow Adam Gase has a job. I don't know how, um, what's his face there in Houston was fired. He should have been fired when he traded Deandre Hopkins for a, a, a draft pick in a hot dog cart, but they gave him a chance Dan Quinn finally caught the axe after just another outright disappointing turnout by the Falcons. But here we are getting blown out by the Cardinals. And Adam Gase is still employed. And we literally let Le'Veon Bell go for free. I, I, I honestly, and to make things even worse, he went to the Chiefs of all teams. I mean, it's like you, uh, you're, you're a Marvel guy. So you've seen, uh, you, you, you know, you've watched all the Avenger movies. Do you remember, uh, infinity wars? Remember towards the end when, when they have the big fight scene with Thanos, that, that ring a bell to you? Oh yeah. A huge bell. Yeah. So essentially I, I'm, I'm going to equivalent this, this meme and it's, and it speaks volumes. It's Patrick Mahomes as Thanos with the Infinity Gauntlet, and it has all the Infinity Stones in it, but the Mind Stone. And it has, like, Tyreek's name and Kelsey and Watkins and Hardman. And it shows them plucking out the stone from Vision's head, and it says Bell. And if that's not the most accurate thing possible, I I don't know what is. I don't know how we couldn't at least get a draft pick out of Bell. He doesn't. He doesn't want to be there. They don't want him there. Adam Gase has damn sure been vocal about not whining uh, uh, Bell there, but somehow we just cut him, and another team's just going to reap the benefits of our stupidity, and onward and outward we go. Um, you know, speaking of the Chiefs, though, they, uh, they we had a little choke at the choke at the chop house there in uh, in KC. Um, you know, the, with the Raiders actually coming on top there and and doing some damage and and winning against them, which I honestly didn't expect, but you know, I'm I'm impressed with it nonetheless. Um, the Steelers, you know, of course, you know, edged one out on the Eagles. The Ravens obliterated the Bengals. The Bears, uh, I think we didn't we both choose Tampa. For for the Thursday yeah. night game, yeah, we did. We we, we yeah, caught we did. on that yeah. one, man. Golly, what a game! Um, you know, the Texans came back and 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 picked up a victory against Jacksonville. Um, you know, the Browns beating the Colts. You know, I, I I was talking about this. I was talking with a friend of mine about you know about where we're sitting at for the league, and uh. Right now, just off the top of your head, who, who what who do you think is the best division in the NFL right now? Off the top of my head, yeah, it it, it used to be the NFC West, but Chris, I I'd actually say the AFC North. Yeah, same here. I I said that without blinking an eye. The NFC North, or excuse me, the AFC North is a scary place to be right now. I mean, you have a four and zero Pittsburgh, 
a four and one Baltimore, a four and one Cleveland, and then a, a one and three Cincinnati. But well, Cincinnati's they'll be they'll be something someday. But you know the team that I I'm on the I'm on the radar for is is Cleveland. They they are just doing some very very unique things, and it is just. It, it, it is just scary, scary to watch. Um, and then, like I said, you know, at the beginning of this, you know, there's four teams left undefeated. Uh, the Steelers, the Titans, and then the Seahawks. You know, uh, <laughs> it's it's insane. You know, it, it is absolutely insane. And then the teams that you think would do something – you got a one and four Minnesota, uh, an zero and five Atlanta, uh, a one and three Detroit, an zero and five New York Giants, a one and four uh, uh, Chargers. You know, it, it just, you know, there's just, there, there's so many mysteries around this league right now that you just sit back and scratch your head on. Um, you know, and there were some close, close games that uh, you know, like the Titans and Vikings. I think that one a little different than what everybody thought. I fully expected uh, the Seahawks just to trample Minnesota. But, you know, the secondary of Seattle isn't uh, isn't the most pleasant one. Um, you know, and then, of course, the the, the Tuesday night game with, with Tennessee and Buffalo, which Tennessee put on a clinical. Just that hit from Henry to Norman, that stiff arm, I have seen so many videos, gifs, and memes made out of that. It's just the internet has no mercy and pulls no punches. Number one, Norman's of course one of those guys that has a little bit of a you know chip on his shoulder. So sometimes to see him get thrown around, I'm not going to complain about it. But it just show, like like Henry is just a he, he is a man. He's just not a football. <laughs> that man is a man. I would not want to be lined up on him running downfield. I feel like if he was to stiff arm me. It would be like when the the bald lady in Doctor Strange, when she flicks him in the head and puts him in the mirror dimension. I feel like that's what happened to me if that man stiff army. I would be put into an alternate dimension. It would just it, it would it would just rattle my cage into oblivion. Uh but you know, so that was a hell of a game. They beat on on Buffalo bad, which I thought that would be a much closer game. Uh the same thing with the Saints and Chargers game. That one I think got cut a little close for comfort there with most people. Um, and then last but not least, um, the Giants and Cowboys game. Now, I think everybody knows that I really don't have any love lost for the Cowboys, but I don't like seeing players face gruesome injuries like that. And that was that was just that was rough to watch. I'm not going to lie. I, I was actually sitting at my coffee table. I spit my beer out on it when, when I watched it, especially when he tried to jam his foot back in place. Cause you know, how sometimes like your, the cleat come undone. And I don't, I honestly think that he thought maybe that's what happened and maybe just the pain and shock factor didn't set in yet. But mm-hmm. my Lord, did that man just, Oh, it was, it was vile. It really, really, really was vile to watch. I'm I'm real sorry to see that happen to Dak. I hope for a very speedy recovery. Like I said, I'm I am as far from a Cowboys fan as I come, but I, I don't care. Well, even Tom Brady, as much as I don't like him, I don't want to see him face a, a potentially career ending injury like that. When you go in for surgery the day of the injury, you know it's a very serious situation. So speedy recovery to the Dak. 
On the flip side of that, Andy Dalton, it's your time to shine now. You were I, I liked you in Cincinnati, and you had far less weapons in Cincinnati, and you did pretty decent with what you had there. I think with with Zeke the Ewok and Gallup and CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper and a decent offensive line, I think we could see an Andy Dalton we may have never seen before, and he may have just opened the door to – a, a, a decent sized contract because let's face it. They weren't willing to pay Dak Prescott big money before he got injured. I don't know. Maybe Jerry Jones is a prophet and he saw this coming and didn't want to sign that contract. That's how it's looking right now. Maybe this man is a mystic and we don't know about it, but um, I don't think they're going to sign Dak. I, I truly see him going into the off season as a free agent, depending on how this injury heals itself. I, I, I possibly see Dak uh, going to going good old New Orleans, taking that trip down I-10 uh, to the to the Bayou, and maybe sticking around in New Orleans. But we'll see what happens from there. I don't want to jump into next season just yet. I want to still stay on this season. And then uh, the other one that was just an annihilation was the the Dolphins and 49ers game. Uh, same thing. I'm I'm no Dolphins fan by any standard, but um, that was entertaining to watch. Just just because, you know, uh, that was a rough one if you're a 49ers fan, but uh, if you're a Dolphins fan, you were Finns were up very high that day. Uh, so shout out to Fitz Magic for doing his magical things. And, uh, yeah, that's my wrap-up for, uh, for uh, week five. And I want to start I want to start there at the Miami-San Francisco game. Because, Chris, I think you deserve some credit because you saw this in the beginning of the season with the 49ers. I don't know if it was this going to be this cataclysmic of a collapse. But here's the thing, Chris, and I, I put this on social media. I genuinely thought Dan Marino was quarterback in the Dolphins that week because that's the last time I've seen that potent of an offense out of the Dolphins. It's been that long. I genuinely thought I said, no, wait a minute, that's Ryan Fitzpatrick? I'm like, all right. And I'm like, and here's the thing, Chris. Fitzpatrick, 22-28, 350 yards, three touchdowns, Chris. You know, he's had 300 yards or more passing in the game, Chris, in five of his last seven games. So we got to put a hold, Chris, on seeing Tua. Listen, Chris, I'm not saying Miami to the playoffs. I don't want to, you know, you know, put the cart before the horse here. But Miami's playing good ball or San Francisco's really that bad. And I think it's a mix of the two because here's the thing, Chris. Miami, they've scored 40 points in a game. And, Chris, I want you to guess, how since the year 2000, Chris, how many times has the Dolphins scored 40 or more points in the game since 2000? And it's between, I'll give you, it's in between 1 and 30. 1 and what? 1 and 30? Yeah. But the number of games that the Miami Dolphins have scored 40 or more points in a football game since the what's, year 2000. What's my over-under? Uh, give me you want to give me three points for an over under? Yeah, you know what? Yeah, you know, yeah, I feel bad for you. So yes, three, yeah, yeah. Yeah, much defi- yeah, so, yeah, between points. one and thirty times they have scored more than forty points. I will say five. That's right on the head. Jesus. Now, people, I want you to know this isn't pre recorded or 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 you know, we're I I am literally just throwing an, essentially a, a a dart at the board and hoping to God it sticks. And um, 
I'm not gonna lie, I'm pretty lucky. But also, when I go to Vegas, I do usually come back with some uh, with some money in my pocket. So that's just luck, kids. Don't don't try this at home. Yeah, I'm professional. Now, <laughs> <laughs> and that's the fewest amount of game. That's the fewest amount of times in that 20 year span. Hell, even the Jets have done better than that. <laughs> right, and I'm like even like we look. Well, geez, the Jets have yeah, the Jets had an offense once upon a time. It wasn't always Adam Gase and and Sam Donald. You know, they even had Chad Pennington even. And Wayne Corbett. They had an offense. But 20 years later, you're like, where'd it go? They went home. So we look at the on the other side of the coin, Chris, and I've said that this is a problem. It's Jimmy Garoppolo. His passer rating was 15.7, Chris. Ooh. That that's the lowest by a Niners quarterback since week 10 by Cody Pickett in 2005. And that quarterback ring was seven and a half. Chris, let's be clear. Even before the season, Jimmy Garoppolo was the X factor. And and Belichick, for all that we hate him, Belichick could have easily gotten a first-round pick for Garoppolo, but he settled for a second. So if anybody's laughing at the bank, it's Bill Belichick because, listen, Bill Belichick is of this mindset. You rather let you we would rather let somebody go a year before than a year after. Yeah. He did it with he did it with Tom Brady. He wanted to get rid of Brady probably two, three years ago. But him and Kraft. So Belichick saw it coming. We, we were the ones that like, oh, Jimmy, he's gonna be the next big, you know, the next great Niners quarterback. It's not happening. And I heard a name out there, and I'll get to that towards the end of this of, of my point. You know, toward the end of the segment, I should say that could re- replace Garoppolo that I don't agree with. But going back to my, going back to the Niners, Chris, they, they allow five sacks in two straight games since weeks 14 and 15 of 2014. Chris, you know, I, I'm not knocking Kyle Shanahan, Chris, and I, and I give him the pass because they're injuries. But, Chris, these are still the Dolphins. And, you're, and listen, it's not like there's talent, Chris, and this is what I always say. When they let Emmanuel Sanders go, like, where do you go? Like, Kendall Bourne scored a touchdown, Chris. That was the first touchdown by a receiver in the entire season for the San Francisco yeah. 49ers. Yeah. And, and you're like, wait a minute, this is week five, right? Yeah, because they're because listen, they were so dependent on guys like Kittle, guy, you know, the running game, and that's yeah. great, Chris. But when teams expose you, the Dolphins, Brian Flores is a very, very good defensive coach. And look, he, he found a pass rush in, in the Bay Area. So, kudos to him, and and you know, kudos to the Raiders. Listen, once again, not the biggest Raiders fan. It's nothing personal. I just think your coach is a little. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Eccentric. Uh, eccentric. That's the that's the Merriam-Webster word of the day I was looking for. Now, here's the thing with the Raiders. Listen, you know, you want to know how the Raiders won this football game, Chris? It's a, it's a, it sounds so simple when you peel back the numbers, Chris. They kept Mahomes off the field, and they and they established the run, and they had you know Carr had a great game. Here's the thing: the Raiders field for 35 minutes and 18 seconds, as opposed to the Chiefs 24 minutes and 42 seconds. Here's the reality, Chris: Mahomes is five and seven when the time of possession is less than 27 minutes. Greater than that, he's 27 and two. And that's including the postseason. So essentially, Chris, if you keep him on the bench, 
you can win football games. It's it sounds so simple, Chris, but yet teams still haven't figured it out. That's why he was seven. That's why he was. That's why he was twenty-seven and two, having you know more than twenty-seven minutes a game. And also a shout out to Henry Ruggs the third. Chris, he only had two receptions for one hundred eighteen yards for a touchdown. Chris, Henry Ruggs is he? He's a, the quintessential old school Raiders player because Al Davis liked it to draft speed, Chris. And you look at Henry Ruggs, and you know, and his time in the forty, Chris. That's that's Henry Ruggs. He's super fast. Alabama and Derek Carr found a deep threat target. And the Raiders, Chris, are sneaky good. I'm not gonna sit there and say, listen, I I may have to apologize. I'm not gonna apologize to John Gruden. I'll just apologize to the Chris. I'd rather apologize to a million other people than John Gruden. I'd rather apologize to the concession stand people that aren't there. Then apologize to John Group because <laughs> because the reality is is Chris listen this team is playing great Chris and it has a lot to do with development it has more so to do with like Derek Carr's not trash it's like John Gruden you know he actually may know how to coach a quarterback this is the first quarterback he may have actually learned to coach as far as I can remember he couldn't develop you know since. He didn't develop Rich Gannon, so this part of the first quarterback, Chris, he could actually develop, and he's been coaching how long? I'll leave you. I'll leave you guys to Google to figure that out. But speaking of things you don't have to Google, Chris, you don't have to Google how great the Steelers are, how bad the Eagles are, because as I've said on this show, I've defended Carson Wentz, Chris, but after what I saw Sunday, Chris, I just can't. Be and this is why. When when a, when, a, when an organization chooses you over Foles, and once again, and I stand by the fact that I defended the decision because you can't have two quarterbacks on your roster making big money because at some point you're going to affect your cap and you're going to have to sacrifice and your talent around you is going to suffer. That's just like in business. If you're paying these guys so much money and you're trying to get a top person, like, listen, and you can't get the money, and like, okay, well, we got they got to move on. And Chris, and so I defend that decision. But what I can't defend, Chris, is that look, Chris, they came around the ball since 2016, Chris. Since 2016, when uh, Doug Peterson took over, Chris, the Eagles are 6 and 19 when they rushed the ball for less than 100 yards. So, what does that tell you, Chris? It tells you two things A, they have to have a balanced offense, and Carson Wentz can't be turning the ball over. Because when that happens, Chris, if Carson Wentz screws up, Chris, they can't lean on the run game. And Chris, if you can't lean on if you can't lean on the run game in this league, Chris, I don't care if you are the Jets. Like as bad, you know. Listen, if you can't have some remnants of a run game, you're going to lose a lot of football games. And then on top of that, Wentz has thrown one or more interceptions in five consecutive games. That's the longest streak he's had since his rookie year. Chris, it's a disaster. Listen, and, and here's the thing, Chris. They're in second place. In the NFC East, Chris, they're in second place. Oh, they're also Chris, playing in the, in the dumpster pile of, uh, of, of the NFL of the, right now, too. Yeah, so. the, hot, the hot garbage. You know, listen, the hot garbage league, the hot, hot, hot garbage conference. You know, I'm not saying the NFC is, as a whole, but, Chris, there are a lot of conferences in there, Chris, that aren't so great. And the NFC East epitomizes that. The reality, Chris, is that, look, 
Look at Pitt. That Chase Claypool, the guy in the second round, Chris, seven receptions, 110 yards, three touchdowns. And listen, he's the first rookie since at least 1950 with three or more receiving touchdowns. You know, in in a single game, Chris. Yeah. You know, li- listen. I credit. Listen, the Steelers know how to draft. They found him in the second round. And the reality is, Chris, and this team still has Juju Smith-Schuster. It still has James Conner. That defense is still great. You got T.J. Watt. You got Bud Dupree. You got Mika. Chris, listen, the last time, Chris, they went 4-0, Chris, they won a Super Bowl. And I was talking to a friend of ours who's in our league. I'll protect his, you know, I'll, I'll protect anonymity. Well, we both know him. I'll put it that way. And he was saying, you know, trust Big Ben. Listen, Chris, I don't like Big Ben as a person for obvious reasons. Naturally. But I defend I defend him as a quarterback because when he's healthy, Chris, and he's playing like this, it's very hard to lose. It's very hard to to to, to lose when they're playing like they can't lose. And I say that's what's going to make the matchup. When they play Cleveland, Chris, that game, to me, and, and, and you know, who would imagine us saying that that would be a big game? Because the reality, Chris, is when you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers, Chris, Mike Tomlin is 10-4 and four off the bye since he became a coach. He's kind of, he, like I always say on this show, Chris, I always knocked Mike Tomlin from a, I never knocked him from a coaching perspective, from a leadership perspective. And those are two different concepts. But when he gets this team focused to play, Chris, there's not, like I say, not a lot of teams that can beat him. And that whole division, Chris, even the Bengals are good. They're bad, but they're good. They, they, have, they, Burrow, have, they have potential. It, it's just they're young. Right. They're young. And, I'm, and, and it's the point that, listen, they could be a spoiler. They could screw a lot of teams over in the end of this season. It's, it's the matter of, Chris, you know, three of, three of those four teams in the division, Chris, you know, listen, they have at least four wins. Yep. And and the reality is, so uh, that's a great division. And speaking of speaking of interesting concepts, like, listen, the Chargers, I know what the record says about the Chargers, Chris, but I'm going to give you another record, Chris. And since you're great at, since you're, you're Mr. Vegas, is, is your new moniker. <laughs> the Chargers have had 16 games decided by eight or fewer points since 2019. Of those 16 games, Chris, how many have they won? So they've had hit me hit me with that one more time. Let me digest it. Sure. The Chargers have had 16 games decided by eight or fewer points since 2019. Of those 16 games, how many have the Chargers won? Oh, man. So 16 games, eight or fewer. Um, Oh, man, let me get my calculator out here. (laughs) Yeah, you hear hard at work, folks. Um, I'm going to say... I'm going to say three. You're locking in with three, Chris? You know, based on what you said with that, I already know that's a no. No, wait, wait. Listen, I, I, I like game shows. You know that. I'll just say this. Chris. You yeah, know I love games. I'll, I'll, I'll say three. I'll say three. That's your final answer. Yep. Well, Chris, guess what? 
All You're right. right. They're three and thirteen. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I'll leave. I'll even see after the show. I'll send you the link to that stat. Oh. Because they're three and thirteen in games decided by eight or fewer points since 2019. That was the most losses in that span. Chris, they just can't close games. And and that's why I say that one that that record, Chris, is deceiving because they're in every football game. Anthony Lynn has them in games, Chris, but they just can't close it. It's like a closer who blows saves. Like if you can't listen, just like in baseball, if you can't close a game nine times of ten, Chris, you're gonna lose that game. You know, unless you know you have a extra innings miracle, you're gonna lose that game. If you can't bring in, you can't close the deal. But listen, Justin Herbert, listen, most touchdown passes for a rookie on Monday Night Football, he had four. Justin Herbert is a star in the making. Let's be clear. You know, I feel it sucks what happened to Tyrod Taylor, and I don't like seeing guys lose their jobs the way that he did. Because Tyrod didn't lose it because of terrible play. He lost it because, of, you know, because the doctor can't literally do the one job they were paid to do. But That's poor dude in the lung. <laughs> yeah, like, geez. Could you imagine, Chris, if he had a scalpel? Like, anyway. Like, oh, imagine if it was his foot, Chris. Like this, you know, Tyrod Tibby walking like Tiny Tim. Uh, hard like, pass. <laughs> hard pass. <laughs> hard pass. <laughs> and as for the Saints, Chris, listen, listen. I don't. I'm not gonna let the Saints off the hook. They won the game, but Chris, here's the thing: they've allowed opponents to score touchdowns. You know, let's say if Chris goes with the trifecta. I was gonna just read the stat, but Chris is two for two today. Jesus. So. <laughs> I'm that guy. So, so the Saints have had 20 red zone drives this season. Well, their opponents have had 20 red zone drives. Of those 20, how many have the how many has their opponents scored in the red zone? Out of 20 opportunities, has the opponent scored? All right. So let me let me recap this. New Orleans right. has had. Their defense in red zone twenty times, and how many times has their opponent scored out of those twenty? Yes, how many times has the state's defense? How oh. many times have have they allowed to score a touchdown in twenty attempts? <sighs> if you want a plus or minus, I'm more than welcome to give you a plus or minus. Let's just let's stick with the with the plus or minus of three because of yeah. you know since it's a low number. Um. So out of twenty times in the red zone, how many scores have they allowed? You know, I'm I'm feeling good on three. I'm gonna, I'm going to say three on red, man. Let's 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 lock it in. All right, he's he locked it in. Here's the tricky part, Chris. If you would have said seventeen, you would have been correct. Ah, that's why I say that three. That three game. <laughs> They've allowed opponents to score touchdowns on 17 of 20 red zone drive. It's not great. That Saints defense is not great. And Chris, on top of that, they've allowed two touchdown passes or more in each of the last five games this season. They're the only NFL team to do that. So we talk about how bad the Falcons, the Jets, the Giants defenses are, Chris. Listen, the Saints can't stop anybody in the air. It's not like we need to wrangle them in there, too. Right. It's like they're there. That's why I said earlier to lead off is that some records can be super deceiving because, you know, look, if a defense played that way, Chris, they, you know, 
I guess, like I say, I guess who you play matters because if the team can't close the deal, you get results like that. So, you know, you know, shout out to the Saints. And if the kicker would learn how to kick, I would have won that football game. But we're not going to get into that. We're not going to get into that because I'm not going to be bitter. I had a great week in fantasy. I'm not going to let it. I'm not going to sabotage this nonsense. So, and then to wrap up. Listen, Buffalo, Tennessee, all I got to say is Derrick Henry was like that bully in school. He, he, he was like Debo, Chris. Let's face the fact. The way he handled Josh Norman was reminiscent of how Debo did in Friday. Like, he, he, Chris, he could take your gold. Chris, he could take your bike. He probably took a little bit of Josh Norman's dignity on that, on that stiff one. He, he took a whole lot of dignity at, the, at that point. And at that point with Josh Norman... I don't want to hear anybody say, oh, Josh Norman is no. Josh Norman got knocked back to the year, back to, to the Stone Age. Cash All money right. from the 9-9 to the 2000. Hey, you know, listen, we always sneak in a music reference every week. That's the Cal Ripken streak of this show, and we're proud of that here. And, and it stays alive with that great, great line from Chris. So, with that being said, speaking of you know, speaking of blowouts and speaking of stiff arms, fantasy football. Listen, ah. we, it's not just. It's not. <laughs> I'm, I'm setting them up, folks. I'm not gonna listen. He congratulated me earlier. I'm gonna leave it at that. But the shifting to fantasy, Chris. I know a lot of fantasy owners. You know, listen, dealing with COVID, a lot of games moved around, kind of you know thrown the balance off. Injury, you know, and you're throwing it in with injuries, Chris. So last week, I think you listen. You you hit it out of the park. I think, especially with OBJ, I think OBJ is back in that regard. But I guess one of the questions I do have now, Dak is out. So I guess my leading question for your for this to lead into you is is that how valuable of an option is Andy Dalton going to be for fantasy long term? So. You know, I've actually had on more than one occasion uh, people ask me that, you know, what what can the red rifle do for me is is has been the question of the week. Um, I'll give you a hint. I have him as my backup quarterback in one of my leagues. Um, it, literally, I, I, I am not one to waste tragedy. I almost feel like a, uh, uh, an anti-gun liberal Democrat, and I try to jump on things like this as soon as they happen. I immediately went and cuffed uh, Andy Dalton. Um, Andy Dalton was a good fantasy quarterback when literally all he had was Tyler Eifert and A.J. Green. That's all he had. He had no offensive line to protect them. Giovanni, this is before Mixon came in, so it was just Giovanni Bernard. He was an okay running back at best. Um, Andy Dalton somehow still produced fantasy numbers. Now, see, this is the difference. See, it's like Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott produces fantasy numbers. He doesn't win a lot of games, but, you know, that's the difference with football. It's a team sport compared to fantasy. Um, I actually have... Andy Dalton in a very shocking place in my in my fantasy uh, lineup here. I'm getting ready to go over. Um, you know, like you touched on, there's a lot of of injuries that are lurking. More players fallen victim 
Uh, you know, like poor poor Dak, I think, got the the shortest straw of the season with that that horrific ankle injury. Um, you know, you got guys that are getting slowly, you know, kind of creeping. The the Gophers poking their head out of the hole because you know winter might be over uh, for their injury. But we're gonna see what happens. Um, you know, and then also with COVID, it, it is it is wreaking havoc in the league right now. You got some games that are on watch right now. They're talking about. Uh, there was, I think, another possible uh, sickness in the Tennessee organization. Um, there was confirmed cases in the uh, in the Falcons organization that has put that game in potential jeopardy. Um, you know, uh, you got you got moves literally going on where that's a nice pick up there, Ladarius. You son of a bitch. <laughs> 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 I was wondering how long he was going to lay in wait there. I was thinking about scooping him back up. Um, yeah, so I, I, people, as we're going about this, I'm giving out my fantasy advice. And Ladarius is here like a like a like a, a Chris Kyle sniper, just picking them out one by one. Um, but if your team's been plagued with injuries, I make you do what it do. Yeah, you know, you do what it do, baby. Uh, if your team's been plagued with injuries. Uh, COVID, any, anything related. I'm going to go over some of my the typical offensive tactics, uh, starting with quarterbacks and working our way down. So for, for week six, definitely keep an eye on your roster. Pay attention to who's out, who's injured, who might be under COVID protocols, the team getting shut down, blah, 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 blah. So starting with quarterbacks, uh, first Patrick Mahomes, uh, Lamar Jackson, uh, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, Deshaun Watson, and and Aaron Rodgers. A few guys going on by this week. One I did pull off my my start roster because he's starting to really scare me, and that would be Matty Ice. Um, some of your strong starts, Big Ben going to Cleveland. He's just getting done. He's just, he's doing the work every week and 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 putting the work in. And I think that this is going to be a, a a very good start. The Browns, they don't have any answers. The Browns secondary is not that great. Their front line, I would argue, is one of the best in the NFL right now. And I know I sound batshit crazy for saying that, but front lines don't necessarily put too much pressure on quarterbacks. It's the secondary that can cause problems in fantasy. And with a weak fantasy, you're going to get a quarterback, or excuse me, with a weak secondary, you're going to get a strong fantasy value of a quarterback being Big Ben. Uh, Tom Brady going against uh, Green Bay. Green Bay's pass defense is a little weak. And then, of course, now with Chris Godwin supposed to be coming back, you're going to have Gronk, you're going to have Cameron Bray, you're going to have uh, Godwin and Evans all running around. Plus, you got Ronald Jones doing Ronald Jones things. Uh, Jared Goff going to San Francisco. Everyone literally busted my balls about San Francisco. Maybe I'm the prophet. I don't know. But between injuries and and, and poor play, um, I think that uh, it's it's a situation right now where we're going to see some things fall through. I think Jared Goff is going to have a big day. Finally, somebody making my uh, my list, Gardner Minshew, Mr. Mr. fucking – Crazy train himself here from Jacksonville, looking like he's coming right out of a frat house into a ball game. Uh, literally, Minshew should find some success out of this. The Lions just their secondary is terrible. I, I, I mean, literally, I'm just going to leave it at that. Enjoy yourself. Um, 
Ryan Tannehill going to Houston. Again, Houston has had some issues in their secondary on 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 the the high side. I expect Tannehill to take advantage of that, um, or just do a bunch of dump off passes to Henry and just have him go full on juggernaut mode on him. Uh, and then last but not least, the strong starts. Bing bang boom, the red red rifle himself, Mr. Andy Dalton. Um, he's going to come out trying to get hired. It, it's what you're going to see is essentially watching a collegiate athlete in his his eligible year to go into the draft, whether it's a senior who's trying to sell his draft stock or a sophomore who's trying to sell his draft stock. Andy Dalton is selling his his contract stock, and he's going to try to explain to Jerry Jones and Mike McCarthy why he should be the starting quarterback for the Dallas organization next season. Spare no pleasantries, he won't. Um, and on top of that, uh, Chandler Jones is going to be out on the Arizona side, so that's going to be one less guy to be up in Dalton's face. Um, I expect a big game out of Dalton this week against Arizona. Uh, for your DraftKings, uh, DFS bargains, Kirk Cousins and both Matthew Stafford, you're going to be able – they're playing against weaker defenses – Captain Kirk needs to do something. I honestly hope that the Falcons have a resurgence because of of, of uh, Quinn being gone. I don't know. Maybe it's too little too late, as JoJo said in a song once. Um, that's two music references. I'm on fire today. Uh, Matthew Stafford going against Jacksonville. Jacksonville's defense is just losing key bodies left and right. They're dropping like flies. So just uh, you know, kind of watch P's and Q's, but it could be a big game for Stafford. Uh, your deep streamer that's going to go really, really good or really, really bad is going to be Fitzmagic. Sometimes the Dolphins, when they, they play teams they should beat, they shit the bed. And then when they play teams that they shouldn't win against, they put 40 points on the board. Um, so here you are. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, tread it own wit, uh, at your own risk. They are playing the Jets, but we'll see what happens. You know, that that's always a, a variable game. Um Cam Newton, if he does come back, we don't know the certainty. But if he does, expect it to be a low-volume running and passing game um, uh, it would, with Denver. I don't think they're going to go out there and immediately take the restrictor plate off of him and let him go full full bore. I expect him to be kind of coddled coming back post-COVID. Um, Joe Burrow going against uh, Indianapolis, same situation. I don't expect him... Uh, Indy's defense is is pretty strong on the road, so uh, we'll we'll see what happens there. Two glove Teddy, uh, Chicago, I think has found their resurgence with uh, Nick Foles. Excuse me, with Nick Foles on the uh, on both sides of the ball. Um, I think that uh, Teddy might have an issue. Expect a lot of slow dump passes. I mean, he'll get you points, but don't expect the turnout that we've had in recent games. Um, Matty Ice. This is, you know, this is just getting out of control. Um, you've got Julio Jones, who is presuming to miss another game. I don't know where he's at. He might be missing an action. He may have been abducted by aliens. Um, he he may be on a secret mission with Ice Cube and, and Vin Diesel doing a triple X remake movie. I don't know at this point, but but he is he is somewhere and it is not on the field. Um, there's only so much that Calvin Ridley can do for Matty Ice. Maybe with with old Danny Boy being gone, some things can happen. Um, uh, stay tuned and watch. And then Carson Wentz. Um, we already discussed that. <laughs> um, some of your deep streamers. Um, 
Daniel Jones, or excuse me, deep traps. Daniel Jones, I that's going to go really, really good or really, really bad. So if you're in a jam, I wouldn't use him if you need a win this week. Um, moving on to running backs. Um, also, also another one. Let me actually back up. I do have one of my notes. Uh, Baker Mayfield, I got him as a trap. Um, he's injured. He's going to be playing with some beat-up ribs with a very aggressive Pittsburgh defense. He, he has to get rid of that ball quick or he is going to be have to get peeled up off the ground. So uh, buyer beware uh, going to running back. So, of course, your 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 go to's uh, your Aaron Jones, your Kareem Humps, Derek Henry, Zeke Elliott's uh, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, uh, Todd Gurley, James Conner, Mike Davis. If you guys don't know these names by now, um, you're you're I don't, I don't know where you're at in life. Uh, some of your stronger starts, uh, David Montgomery going to Carolina from Chicago. Uh, good old Monty, he's getting a lot of backfield touches, of course, with Tariq Cohen and everybody else pretty much uh, injured and out of the way. Um, expect him to do some good things. David Johnson going to Tennessee. Um, this little hot Nashville shootout is going to be a fun time to watch. Um, Tennessee's run defense isn't the absolute best, so you, you definitely will will uh, benefit from this. If you got Ronald Jones, uh, Rojo and his Flojo and his Mojo is going to uh, do his thing. Green Bay, same situation. Green Bay does not have a great run defense. Um, even if Fournette comes back, I think he's going to remain a third down back, like a third and one type thing. Uh, RJ is going to get a lot of the uh, a lot of the the, the scenery. Uh, both Kenyon Drake and uh, Chase Edmonds from the Cardinals. Um, I think they'll both get a a flex capability if you're if you're in a situation you already got two decent running backs and maybe you need a flex position. Uh, I think that they can do that against the Cowboys. Um, I think you'll you'll see some good things. Uh, Miles Gaskin, of course, uh, he finally you know got on the board last week, but the Gents' defense is. Terrible, and we'll just leave it at that. Uh, Devin Singletary going to Kansas City. Um, same thing with Zach Moss. Eh, you know, that, that can go either way. But Devin Singletary does get a lot of those uh, backfield passes. So if you're in a PPR league, uh, enjoy yourself. Uh, DFS bargains, DraftKings, those cats. Uh, Devontae Freeman on the Giants. He should be able uh, – surprisingly, he's actually available in a lot of leagues from what I've seen. And he's going to be a, a, a almost plug-and-play replacement for Shaquan Barkley for the remainder of the season. And then DeAndre Swift from the Lions, same situation. Um, maybe Matt Patricia can figure out how to use him finally. Uh, only time will tell. Some of your weaker starters, uh, Melvin Gordon. Well, you know, as they say, kids, don't drink and drive. Um, he's in. He's up to creek without a paddle right now, so I would go ahead and put a put a big old bench on him. Um Honestly, any running back you have from the Ravens, that's about the only thing that the Philadelphia defense can do is kind of stop a run, as I expressed the word kind of. Um, I would probably set them just to be on the safe side if you have some other options. Uh, the Giants uh, are actually pretty decent uh, against the run, so expect Antonio Gibson from Washington to be stopped. So just you know, be, be on your P's and Q's with that. Um, AP, same situation. Uh, uh, I just, I, I think DeAndre Swift is going to get more, more looks. Um, so I, if you have AP, just go ahead and dump him off. Uh, Frank Gore, same thing. This is a hometown game. Um, you know, Bell's gone. This is a disaster in the, in the Jets. So we'll just, we'll just leave it at that. Uh, 
your regular starters for wideouts, of course, Devontae Adams, if he returns, Julio Jones, if he returns, Calvin Ridley, Tyreek Hill, uh, Mike Edwin or Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Juju Smith. I don't think I have to go down the list. If you if you know these things, you know them. If you don't, then well, I'm sorry. Um, Will Fuller, I think, is going to have a very strong game against Tennessee this week. Deshaun Watson seems like he's he's kind of being a different Deshaun Watson. He's getting some getting some looks. Uh, you know, he's able to actually play and not have a, a a linebacker in his face by the time he gets the ball in his hand. Uh, Michael Gallup, I think, is the same thing. His his chemistry, I think, is is probably matching with Andy Dalton, so it's a very encouraging thing. Um, and I think with, with Patrick Peterson, probably more than likely going to line up against Gallup. I think anything on the outside Gallup will just, will turn and burn him like a, like a rotisserie chicken, uh, Justin Jefferson from the Vikings going against Atlanta. Um, I think this is going to be a rebound week against the secondary that I think we can both agree on of Atlanta is just very scary. Um, uh, Deontay Johnson from Pittsburgh going to Cleveland, same thing. Uh, Big Ben, as we talked about coming off the bye, Big Ben does a lot of good things in a lot of good places. Uh, John Brown, I think we're going to have a resurgence going against the Chiefs. The Chiefs, they, they gave they give up a lot of big plays. John Brown and 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 that good old quarterback there from Buffalo, I think you're going to be able to give them some plays to uh, to to give up on. So. Expect some big things from him. Your DFS bargains, of course. Uh, uh, LaVisca, Chenault from Jacksonville. Uh, same thing. He's widely available in a lot of leagues. Um, with DJ Chark probably out with the ankle injury, I think he's going to be in a really good position. Uh, Darius Slayton, I actually picked him up last week on the wire, um, even though we're not on a, a DraftKings league or anything like that. Uh, Darius Slayton did an immaculate job. Expect him to do another great job with Daniel Jones dropping dimes on him uh, against Washington. Some of your deep sleepers that can go really good uh, are going to be Christian Kirk, Brandon Cooks if he if he doesn't get hit in the face, and of course Keelan Cole from uh, uh, Jacksonville. Some of your weaker starters if you got him, put him on your bench. Uh, Marquise Brown, Jarvis Landry, T.Y. Hilton, Debo Samuel, uh, Brandon Ayuk, pretty much anybody from. Uh, the 49ers at this point, except for uh, Greg Kittle or George Kittle. But even then, I think we're still going to have some problems there. Uh, Jerry Judy and Tim Patrick from the Broncos going against uh, New England's defense. New England's defense, I think they're going to be good against a shaky quarterback. Uh, Golden Tate, uh, I think he's definitely going to be uh, silenced again. I, I think Daniel Jones feels like a safety blanket with Darius Slayton. So I think that if he had between the two, I would go with Slayton. Um, and then on the flip side of the Denver New England game, I don't think Julian Edelman or N. Keel Harry were going to be a uh, uh, opportunistic. I think definitely we're going to be on a very run heavy approach due to Cam Newton's limited potential. Um, slide down to the last but not least, the tight ends. Of course, your good starters are going to be Mark Andrews, George Kittle, and, and Travis Kelsey. Your strong starters are going to be uh, Johnny Smith from the Titans. The Texans linebackers, they struggle to contain uh, those flat routes, no matter who runs it. Naturally, tight ends, that's kind of the go-to. Expect some great things coming out of that. TJ Hokinson, same situation. Um, you know, Jacksonville is weak and has a, a lot of hurt people in that safety secondary and linebacker core. So expect uh, 
Hokinson to get some great reads, a lot of catches. So if you're in a PPR league, you'll thank me for it later. Uh, Eric Ebron, um, like I said, playing with Big Ben, you know, and of course, I if you notice a trend every week this season, I've picked a strong start tight end against the Browns. And guess what? They get a lot of points every week. So I'm just going to throw that throw that out there for you. Um, Evan Ingram going to uh, from the Giants going to Washington. Um, you know, we'll we'll see what happens there. I think he's going to stay hot against Washington. He uh, caught one on a run for a touchdown, and then he caught one that got called back. I'm still kind of questionable about that, but whatever. I think he'll still do good. Uh, Mike Kosinki going to the Jets. He's essentially their slot receiver, and the Jets are terrible. Um, and then on the flip side of it, Austin Hooper on the Browns going to Pittsburgh. Um, I same thing. Pittsburgh that that they've got a good linebacker core, but they let a lot of passes drop to tight ends. So we'll see what happens. Um, for your DFS bargains, uh, Irv uh, Smith Jr. from the Vikings, incredibly low price. Uh, I think you should definitely see him just because of the situation in Atlanta. Uh, your weaker starters, Tyler Higby from the Rams, Zach Ertz from the Eagles, uh, Hayden Hurst from the Falcons, Dalton Schultz from the Cowboys, Jimmy Graham from the Bears. Even though Jimmy Graham had a, a, a heck of a game and that one-armed OBJ catch that he pulled off in the end zone, that man is too old to be doing those kinds of things, so he needs to watch himself. That's how you break a hip there uh, in your elder years. Um, watch yourself on that. Cameron Bray, um, he's, on, he's, on my, he, he's on the fringe for me. Essentially, like if I'm if I'm Tiger Woods, I'm debating between like my pitching wedge or just or just going full badass and pulling my putter out and doing God's work. That's how much I'm on the fringe with Cam and Bray. It literally depends on Chris Godwin. If Godwin plays, sit Cameron. If he doesn't play, start him. Simple as that. Uh, that's my start him and sit him for. Uh, Week six, I wish you all the best of luck, except if you play me, then I hope you uh, fail miserably. But unfortunately, I can't always win, but the league is not over yet. And that's what And uh, <clears throat> you know, uh, you, I think the biggest takeaway, I think, from, from your starting the sit is, well, I took away two things in particular. I think the first thing that I took away, obviously, is the Andy Dalton situation. Because like you, I'm very high on Andy Dalton because we got we got to understand, Chris, that Andy Dalton wasn't terrible. At, even though the, the organization of Cincinnati was terrible, he was one of the few bright spots, maybe because he was a redhead, but he was actually pretty good. And so I think now I think we're going to see Dallas. I think Andy Dalton benefits more from the play-action pass. I think he'll get the same benefit. I think we'll start to see Zeke get maybe a couple of, you know, maybe his 20, maybe, tw- I'm not going to say 25, but I think we'll get, I think we'll see Zeke get the ball at least 20 times a game. And then the play action, Andy Dalton has a great arm. You got Amari Cooper, and the guys you mentioned, Chris. So I think that's a great benefit. And and also, you know, me, I, I was listening to your tight ends because I have Hawkinson as my backup tight end. And I was, you know, he's one of the flex options that I have. So I'm, you know, I have a lot of options there flex-wise. I, at least I like to think that I do, Chris. I don't know if I do or not. But so once again, folks, you know, Chris doesn't really steer you wrong. You know, listen, he knows what he's talking about. And trust me, he hit, he, when he talks about tight ends, especially, you know, listen, Cleveland versus tight ends, listen, you, you just watch the games. I'll, I'll leave it at that. 
But but before we uh, you know, we hit toward the end of the road. I snuck in a music reference in there. Before we hit the end of the road on this episode, Chris, uh, give me. Uh, I know you want you know talk about a little, what's going on in the postseason in baseball. So let me hear some of your thoughts on that. You know, there was a team when we started talking about baseball in August that I said, watch out for it. And I said, if they make it to the playoffs, they'll be in the world series. And, uh, do you remember what team that was? Yeah, I believe you were high on the, uh, the Atlanta Braves. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I, uh, I'll tell you right now, uh, it, it is a shootout in, in the NL right now between them and the Dodgers. Um, they got a three to one lead though. So, uh, it's it's move it or lose it tonight for uh, for the city of uh, city of angels, but not the not the AL side. Uh, if the Dodgers, you know, put up or shut up, whatever analogy you want to use, um, they they've got to do something tonight. Uh, same thing on the flip side in the AL with the Astros and the Rays. As much as I don't, it's not that I don't like the Rays. I just don't like them because they knocked out my Yankees. But I I cannot stand the Astros, and one of the funniest things I I, I you know I know you're pretty political like I am. Uh, did, have you had a chance to watch any of the um, the Supreme Court nomination hearing and and the uh, on the Judiciary Committee over the past couple days? Um, I, I I peek in on it from I peek did on you, it, you know, did, did you see the uh, the exchange between Ted Cruz and the the senator from Nebraska? Of the Ben Sass, was it? Yeah, uh, I, I think I didn't see the full on, but I did hear it. it was, so I, I, I was, I was watching it, and I, I, I got a good laugh at it because I, I saw immediately as soon as he started talking about it, I saw where he was going with it. Um, he was essentially referring to, uh, you know, the 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 the, the, the despicable act of cheating, and comparing it to a lot of the things that. You know, a, a certain political, and I won't try to turn it too political because I know people will come out guns blazing, and then we all know how I get when it comes to that. I I, I hurt people's feelings, but uh, he was making an accusation about a certain political team, side, wing, whatever you want to call it, that has been known to cheat in the past few years and has been caught red-handed on more than one occasion, and equivalented them to the Houston Astros, and and playfully was taking shots at Ted Cruz and uh you know and then and, and I'll give it to Ted he, he he made a quip back and he said does Nebraska even have a a baseball team no I didn't think so it's something I'm not hitting direct quotes but something along the lines of that and he he, he shocked him pretty good but circling back at, at, I think that's how most of baseball feels about the Astros we don't like them no one just no one likes them unless if you're an Astros fan because they they they're cheaters. Um, circling back, um, same thing with them. They got to win tonight. They go on at six oh seven, game six. I think the Rays are going to put them away. And I said it if the if the Rays beat the Yankees, they'll go to the World Series. And uh, here and here we are. They're one game away. And I said the same thing with the Braves. If they get into the postseason watch out so again i called the braves a little bit earlier than i did with the with the rays but i would love to see an atlanta tampa world series that that would be 
fun to watch. Um, I honestly might even go against my AL brethren and and root for the Braves. I've always liked the Braves since I was a little kid. Even even when I was a little tyke back in the '90s, when they had David Justice and Andrew Jones and Chipper Jones and John Smoltz and Greg Maddox and Andros Galarraga. I mean, if I, I can almost name the entire starting roster, if uh, you notice where I'm going with this for the mid nineties Braves. And uh, they were just, they were a hell of a team then. And they're really starting to make a resurgence. So I'm, I'm pulling for them tonight. I'm doing the chop as much as it hurts my elbow. Cause it reminds me of Florida state, but raise up Braves up, do your guys do your thing tonight, make this one hell of a world series game. Um, and we'll pick back up from there. And you know what? Just just a quick note is that, you know, when we did our, uh, I did my baseball Mount Rushmore. I said that Greg Maddox is probably the greatest pitcher, and and one of the things I liked about Greg Maddox, because you know I'm a sucker for nerds and all. Yeah, yeah. Send send in your tweets later. But what I liked about Greg Maddox is how he efficient. And I think that kind of quantifies how I felt. The Braves organization had had they just felt efficient whether it was especially the pitching maddox smoltz glam and then you, you can't sleep on guys like steve avery and with carrie lightning like they they had a they had a great pitching staff as well and you mentioned some of the great hit like, like terry pendleton you know i think that you know jeff blouser you know we're not going to go into deep dive into that that's that's a whole episode in itself but but what i will say is that if the atlanta braves do get in i think it, it to me it depends on who gets who comes over the AL side, so I'll reserve judgment for my World Series pick because I'll just put it this way and I'll leave it to the to the listener to to uh to figure it out. If one of the teams wins, I'll favor that team. If the other team wins, I'll favor the Braves. So I'll let you figure out where where I feel on that. It's it's a great guessing game. It's not like Clue, but you know there there it's subtle hints along the way on that end. But, you know, before we wrap it up, you know, social media is at Sports the World on both Twitter and Instagram. Go to Facebook.com slash Sports the World to join our group there as well. And also my personal Twitter is at Ladarius underscore Brown. Chris is at no Twitter UFC. <laughs> as, 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 as Xbox as, fake UFC Twitter. <laughs> X, yes, yes. So check him out. Great stuff. I've seen a couple of things. Check it out. You'll enjoy it. And and once again, you know, before we wrap it up, you know, like I say, you know, happy sports, you know, enjoy the baseball, enjoy the sports weekend. And until you hear us again, I'm Ladarius. I actually want to cut in for one more thing before we, we call it a day. Okay. I am going to hit now. I'm going to take a, a, a little bit of a, a political stance here, I guess we can say. Um, I have found an alarming amount of people who are not registered to vote. Talking with people up here and friends back in Florida and acquaintances, um, you know, so on and so forth. There are more people than, than I honestly expect that are not registered voters, but they get on social media and bitch about policy and practices and the way the government handles things. There is only one way to prevent um, policy to stay or change or whatever you want. And that's to get your ass up 
and get your ass registered to vote. Um, we have a, a presidential election and, and Senate seats and all that, regardless of who you're going to vote for. I think 99.9% of you know where I lie and what and where who I'll be voting for and what I believe in. And if you like it, great. If not, you can kiss my ass. But I will never down talk you as long as your opinion is educated. So please, for the love of God, if you are going to bitch about economics or laws or policies or rules, you have no mouth and no voice to bitch if you are not a registered voter. And then if you are a registered voter and you don't cast a ballot, I honestly think you're just as bad as a person who's not registered to vote. There are people overseas in, in countries that are dying, literally dying, to have the rights that you and I were granted and blessed with from the point of conception into the day what we popped out of our moms into where we're standing as grown men in our 30s right now. And there are people in other countries that would sacrifice their life and that forefathers from for this country sacrificed their lives to grant the ability that you and I could go out and go have a voice, an equal voice on top of that, that both you and I can go to a ballot box, whether we're voting for the same thing or whether we're voting on different opinions. And we, But we have that ability, so please take advantage of that ability. If you want pot legalized in your state, then go vote for the ballot. If you want gun rights or anti-gun rights or whatever president or whatever taxes or whatever, if you want it done, get your ass up off your couch, stop being a dick, and register to vote, and come November 3rd or whatever day, or vote early, or if you don't feel safe going out and voting in person, which I'm still not 100% sold on the mail-in ballots, but if that's what you feel you have to do, then so be it. I'd rather see you that to do nothing. Just vote. I'm sorry, but I, ha I had this conversation with somebody today or this morning, and it really irked me. I didn't, I, I didn't even know the person, so I, w I didn't go on the attack like I am right now. But it really irked me because we were kind of talking about it. He's like, well, I'm not even registered to vote, so I don't care. Don't be stupid. Don't be ignorant. Go register. Go vote. And go have your voice heard. If not, shut your ass up and don't say a damn word. That's my soapbox. And that's the CBS Evening News for tonight. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, you know, I'll, I'll, just, I'll just add my little two cents in before we wrap up. One of the things that I've always appreciated, and for people who know me, if you don't know me, I hope you get to know me more, you know, throughout. I'll, 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 I'll make it a point to be more open. But one of the things that I've always felt that was important was the fact that to have a say in where you live, to have a say, and I, I've, I've never cared what anybody's political preferences were. And I bring that up because a friend of mine who I went to college with, she said that, you know, she was a Republican. And, I, and then I said to myself, you know, she said, oh, you know, I, like I told her, and I'll say the same thing on, on, on this episode, is that I'm not going to let friendships get in the way of politics. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not the type of person who I just say, listen, you vote for who you vote for. But the most that, listen, we go vote. Because one of the beauty things of the world is, is that we're one of the few countries on this planet that has a right to go to a booth. Well, you know, maybe, no, not now, given the climate of the world. But we have a chance to choose who represents us. And that's, a, and that's something that we shouldn't take for granted. And, and one of the things, I'll just echo something you said, Chris, really quickly, is, is that I really don't like to get upset, but what upsets me when people talk about certain issues, and listen, I make it clear 
I don't mind talking, you know, politics. You know, you know, I try to steer clear from the show as much as possible. But social media, I'm more, I'm more of an issue person than, if that makes any sense, than political. I don't know if that makes any sense to the listener or policy, not person. Yeah, and and one of the things I've always said is is that think about who you feel. And listen, I don't listen. My job here is not to sway you. I'm not going to try to. I'm not Fox News. I'm not MSNBC. I'm not seeing. I'm. I'm none. Of, I'm. I'm none of those things. I urge people to have your say, not just on the federal level, Chris, but all these listen. Just city level. Yeah, I mean your your mayors, your people who sit on who sit on your city councils, people who, you know, listen, people who you people who you may know. In your community are running. And I say that because one day I was going to my mailbox and I happened to run into a candidate who's running for mayor in the city I'm at here in Palm Bay, here in Palm Bay, Florida. And I talked to her and it was great to talk to her. And and like I say, it starts from that point and then it elevates to federal. We got to get out of the mindset, Chris, of that. Listen, don't listen. However you feel Trump or Biden is how you feel. But what I say is that think local. Everything starts, like, think of a flower or a plant. Chris, it doesn't just start blooming when you pick it up, Chris. It starts from the ground. That's why, like, little thing called grassroots. Because it starts and you build up. I said, think of it this way. That's how you, look at the things you're doing at the local level. And and also, don't think of it as the next, you know, whatever the term limits are, the next, if it's a senator, six years, or president, four years. Chris, think of it as the next 15 to 20 years. Because policy can shape that long. Because you still have policy that was done by leaders, probably Chris, quite frankly, before we were born. 100%. That, that still exists. So don't think of it as voting for the person for four years. Think of voting for their vision for the next 10 to 15. So I didn't mean to get on that high horse as well. You know, getting my, you know, six foot, you know, my Abe Lincoln-esque. I guess we're both tall, so I guess I'm missing the hat. Yeah, but I'm still the size of a hobbit, so whatever. You know, you know well, then you could be a Martin Van Buren. I think, the thing was, or or the James, or the James Monroe or Madison was the shortest president. I don't know. I I used to be a I used to be a nerd. I think Chris can attest I used to be a real nerd about things like that. Yeah. But I tried to get older and try to get rid of that. And let me tell you, America, it it, it chases you down. But but once again, you've heard our social media. Remember, go vote. Watch the games. However you vote, just you know, like Chris, like Chris and I say. Just vote. You know, time is running out for some states deadline-wise, so get registered to vote. You know, have your voice be heard. Speaking of voices being heard, you see that transition, America? I'm Speaking tired of voices of being, Yes. <laughs> it's the voices being heard. Until you, hear our, until you hear ours again, I'm Ladarius. And I'm Chris. Be real, be you, be blessed, and more importantly, be safe from all of us here from the Sports and the World Podcast. See you.